the story again goes that there is this Hebrew tradition or supposed Hebrew tradition uh, where a person would have a code based on a napkin. And this has gotten passed around through social media, through email. I don't know, for the past 15 or 20 years, it's getting cycled right now, even this week. And everybody, I think, has seen this. Uh, the reason it gets circulated is because people think that that's what John is trying to allude to by something he wrote in his gospel. There's this really small detail, very small, but incredibly significant, that John records in his gospel about the morning of the resurrection. He says that Peter and another disciple ran to the tomb when they got the report that Jesus was not there. And that while the first disciple just stopped at the entranceway, John records, and again, John was an eyewitness, John was part of the disciples, He writes that Peter actually ran down into the tomb, and he writes this really, really, really just kind of obscure detail that Peter saw Jesus's, in the Greek it's suderion, it means the head cloth, specifically that part of the burial linens that would have been wrapped around the head. And he says that Peter saw it, and some translations say in a folded state, other translations say in a rolled up state. The point being, or at least the supposed point being, is that the reason John said that they saw that is that John was alluding to that old fable or tradition that by folding the napkin, or by folding his head cloth, Jesus was intending to say, I'm coming back. That's deep. There's only one problem. It's completely false. There is no such Hebrew tradition. There is no such Hebrew source. It makes for incredible, incredible Christian devotional material. It makes for great Facebook fodder, stuff to share, really, really, really good sentimental, emotional stuff. But there is no such Hebrew story. There is no such Hebrew source. It's just been made up and passed around to try to layer gooey sentiment on top of the Christian truth. I had a buddy of mine in seminary. He used to refer to stories like this as Christian cotton candy. It is sweet. It's good. We like it. But there is no substance to it at all. What's unfortunate about these types of stories is not just that they're false. It's that they oftentimes cover over with that sentiment. They cover over a deeper spiritual truth that we should know. So if that little fable isn't true, then why? Why would John write something so obscure of a detail into his gospel? Because every part of the scriptures means something. Every part of the scriptures are useful, Paul says, for teaching. So what's the point? Well, let me start here. As I said just a moment ago, some translations do say that it was folded. But the reality is that the more literal translation of of, of what John writes is that Peter saw the head cloth rolled in a rolled fashion. That's the first thing that I want you to kind of keep in mind. Why is that significant? Well, can I take you back to last week with Palm Sunday when we were at Surrender Station 
And there we talked about the story of Jesus going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He hears while he's outside of Bethany with his disciples that Lazarus has taken ill and that Lazarus has actually died. And Jesus chooses to go anyway. And he goes, and we all know the story, he raises Lazarus from the dead. I don't think there is a more well-known or more popular miracle, maybe the water to wine, but the raising of Lazarus, you don't even have to be a churchgoer, you've heard that story. That is an important, powerful one. But there's a detail in that story too that maybe you and I have missed. John writes that when Jesus called for Lazarus to come out of the tomb and raised him from the dead and said, Lazarus, come forth, Lazarus came out. But, different than Jesus' resurrection, Lazarus walked out with his grave clothes still binding him. Matter of fact, John uses the exact same word. He literally says that Lazarus's suderion was still covering his head to the point that Jesus had to instruct the crowd watching. They had to take his grave clothes off of him. That's significantly different than what we see in Jesus' case. In Jesus' case, Peter sees the suderion just laying there by itself, still in its rolled state. Why? What's the point? Well, it has to do with the exact same reason that John records something else on that day of that resurrection. John, again, eyewitness, he was in the group. John says that they were all in this room hiding after Jesus had been crucified and buried because they were confident that the Jewish authorities that had put Jesus to death were now looking for them. John says they were confident that the goal was to basically just eradicate the entirety of Jesus' band of disciples. So they're hiding. And John makes this note in John chapter 20. He says, we were hiding behind locked doors. And then Jesus just showed up. He doesn't say Jesus knocked, rang the doorbell. He says Jesus just simply appeared in their midst. How did he do that? Well, it's simple. Jesus had been raised in his transformed, glorious body. And so the same body that could pass through doors passed through those grave clothes too. But that Sudarion that had been wrapped around his head just simply collapsed. And John says that Peter saw the rolled head cloth just sitting there because Jesus had simply passed through it. Two differences. Lazarus raised one way into his mortal body. He is raised from the dead. But Jesus raised into his transformed, glorious, immortal body such that he passes right through the grave clothes. So when we say death has no hold on him or on us, we mean that literally as a hope of the resurrection. This is why we should be very careful about the stories we read on Facebook or the songs we hear. Some of them are phenomenal, and most of them are really, really, really good. But sometimes they try to layer sentiment such that we get something superficial rather than the true supernatural. There are Christian songs that do this. In the case of this story, we should be careful about anything 
that tells us we should be raised by La- like Lazarus because the reality is we want to be raised more like Jesus. Well, it really does make sense, and it's important, especially at Easter. It's important that, uh, that we get beyond more than just a, a catchy, superficial Easter phrase. Yes, he is risen, and yes, the tomb is empty. Well, it's almost empty. See, you have to understand when John writes that Peter saw the linen there, it wasn't on accident. There's nothing in Scripture that's there just as a throwaway. That that line is specifically written for a point, and the point is simply this. uh, That little note there speaks volumes of what we have to look forward to. You see, when we think of eternity, when we think of of the the afterlife, when we think of forever, a a lot of times we just think of it as bonus time for us, just kind of extra longer existence. But our resurrection, the, the resurrection that Scripture speaks of, the resurrection that Jesus promises is so much more than that. Listen to how the the Apostle Paul writes about this. He says, our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. He says, our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength, and they will be buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. And just as we have a natural body, uh, uh, Paul tells us here that we also have a spiritual body. You see, the the likelihood, the the reason why Peter saw the headcloth rolled is because Jesus was, to use Paul's words, he was buried in brokenness, but he was raised in glory. But that's not what happened with Lazarus. See, the New Testament tells us that Lazarus was raised, his body was raised only temporary. It was a, a temporal restoration to this earthly existence. He still had the head cloth around him. He was still bound by the limitations of his life. Now, think of it this way. If you've ever been on a vacation, what is the absolute worst day of vacation? The last day, yeah. The, the day before you have to come home. It's on that day, all of a sudden, the realization starts to kick in what? That this paradise is coming to an end. And without even knowing, all of a sudden, the stresses of home, of life, of work, of school, all of a sudden starts to creep in. You start thinking about the things you need to do when you go back. And up to this point, uh, for, for maybe that long week or, or that week, you've been sitting by the beach, you've been by the pool, you, you're maybe getting ready to take that last ski ride for the day, whatever it might be, and then it hits you. All of this is coming to an end. Tomorrow, you're going to have to head back home. You're going to have to head back to your home. This luxury resort that you've been staying at, this cabin, this beachside, whatever, that all goes away. And you go back to the real world, right? Back to your laundry, back to your bills, back to your schedule, to routines, to deadlines, to demands, back to the realization that this vacation life that you've experienced This has only been temporary. And now tomorrow, you're going to go back to your real life, mundane, boring life. 
For the last week, you pretended that you lived here on this mountain, by this beach, on this cruise ship, whatever it might be. You pretended that you could eat out every single day and that someone was going to come clean your mess up. But on the last vacation, all of a sudden, the realization occurs, this is not real. This is temporary. That's what happened to Lazarus. Yes, he was raised from the dead. Yes, he returned back to his loved ones, but he also returned back to his mortal body. His vacation was over. He returned back to a life of work, to his bills, to his aches, to his pains, to his illness. Think about it. I don't know where Lazarus was during those few days. I don't know if he was in Abraham's bosom, if he was in paradise. Uh, uh, I don't know where he was. But when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth, he came back here. Think about it. I have no idea how Lazarus died. I don't know what kind of illness, what kind of sickness he has. The Bible doesn't tell us. But we know that the resurrection of Lazarus was a huge deal in history. For the followers of Jesus, all of a sudden, it pointed uh, that so clearly, this man is the Messiah. And for those of against Jesus, in the timeline of history, you, you see, this was the moment where those religious leaders said, we need to kill him. We need to arrest him. We need to crucify him. Because now, all of a sudden, there is a buzz. There is a following. Jesus raised Lazarus publicly from the dead. So it was a huge deal. But what if it was a major pain for Lazarus? Just imagine with me for a second. What if in this life, he had a really bad back? What if in this life, he had horrible eyesight? What about in this life, right before he died, the doctor said, Mr. Lazarus, you have six weeks to live. And his first trip was to go right to his boss and say, boss, take this job and shove it. And now he's back. Right? I mean, he's back to his old body. He's back to his old problems. He's back to his old death. He's back to, excuse me, sir, what I said to you a couple of weeks ago, that was kind of a joke. I kind of need this job back, please. I mean, just think about it. Could you imagine the shock of waking up in a dark tomb Wrapped up like a mummy. Like he said his goodbyes to his loved ones, to his sisters. He closed his eyes. He said, God, take me. And then all of a sudden, he wakes up there. Think about it in your own life. Think about if you woke up at your own funeral and you're like, dude, who dressed me? Like, I want to know, like, who put these? I never wear a tie on my, who put this tie on me? That makes matters worse. Think about this. Jesus brings Lazarus back to life for what? Eventually, Lazarus dies again, right? He's not around. We don't know how he died. Uh, we, we don't know how he died the first time. Maybe the first time he died the way we'd all like to die, right? Peacefully in our sleep. Maybe he died that, that way the first, and now he has to think about dying again. What if he died peacefully the first time and then the second time he was eaten by a bear? 
Right? Could you imagine how lousy that is? But what if he died peacefully the second time he fell off his roof into like a, 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 a pile of like flesh-eating ants or something like that? He's like, really? This is, what, this is what you brought me back for, Jesus? You say, what's the point? You're being silly this morning. Lazarus came back to life, but he came back to this life came back to problems. He he didn't have a resurrected body. The grave clothes were still on him. But that's not our story. That's not the story for followers of Christ. That's not the story. That's not the hope and the assurance that we have in Jesus for the end of us. No, our future, our hope, our faith is not simply that we get this old life back. We don't get extended time. For those of you who remember, when I was a kid, we used to play this video game, and uh, it was a racing game, and if you got to a certain checkpoint, it would give you more time. And you get to that checkpoint, and you go, 30 more seconds to play, and you get to another checkpoint, 45 more seconds. That's how many of us think of, of the afterlife. No, our, our faith is not that we get extended time. No, for the believer, for the follower of Christ, for those who have uh, made a commitment to follow after Jesus, we believe that we're going to be raised new. It's not a continuation of this. It's new. It's new body. It's new brain. For me, it's a new heart. It won't be temporary. It'll be a whole new existence. And scripture tells us this. In that existence, everything changes No more pain, no more sickness, no more death, no more fear or suffering, no more anxiety or stress, no more reading glasses or bifocals, no more adult acne. Who knew there was such a thing? No more tennis elbow or whatever. I'm being silly, but listen, no more cancer, no more Parkinson's disease, none of that. Our resurrected body is not simply an extended uh, an extension to this current life. No, our resurrect our resurrection is in, is a, is a one way trip to our heavenly home forever with Jesus. Uh, understand, Lazarus came back. He came back to this life. He came back to these problems. We aren't coming back like that. So when we say, no, we're going to be raised up like Jesus, that means something. I understand that the message of Easter is not simply about Jesus performing some kind of magic trick. He he popped out of the grave and said, ta-da, David Copperfield. No. The Easter message is that Jesus is the firstborn of the dead, meaning this, that he was first of what will be many to be raised new. That's the evidence. That's the hope. That's the assurance we hold. And listen, this is not some simple idle religious talk. This isn't something that we we do on Easter because it's the right thing to do. This is biblically bound This is Easter-backed promise from our Lord. Both the words of Jesus and the grave clothes of Jesus testify to this. So Easter isn't just us remembering what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. No, 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 it's more than that. Easter is us seeking 
It's us seeking out the Jesus that holds our hope for this new existence. That's why we call this the seeking station. So yes, 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 Jesus is risen. But here's the thing. But so will we be very, very soon. Why? Because we believe this, that those who hope in Jesus, those who follow him, in him, Christ makes all things new. So the question we have for you is simply this. Do you have the assurance of the resurrection? If you don't, if you go, I think I do, I hope I do, man, let me just say something as important as forever should have a little bit more confidence than I think so, I hope so. So as a church, one of the reasons that we're here, probably the main, the only reason that we're here is to help folks find their way in their spiritual journey. If we can help you, we want to help you. We have pastors here uh, all week who are available to talk with you. We have services every single Sunday. We, uh, we have classes available, uh, things to help you get to a place where you say, I recognize, I have confidence that I'm a follower of Jesus and that when I get to the end of this life, there won't be fear. There won't be question marks. I'll have the confidence to say, like Lazarus, but more so like Jesus, I'm going to be raised to be with him forever. That's our prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning we thank you that you didn't just create us and put us on this earth to find things, figure it out on our own. No, you sent your son Jesus to come and to show us the way and then become the way that we would have the confidence of the resurrection of Jesus. Yes, we celebrate that Jesus rose again, but we celebrate also the fact that we will be risen with him. It's all because of you. So we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you, church. Thanks for being here. Happy Easter.